podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas, aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. On tonight's show, we're joined on the line by returning guest and champion of positivity, Cy Steers, as we celebrate the victory over Fat Sam and his horrific brand of anti-football and delusion, neither of which stopped the Red Men from returning to the summit of the Premier League. Before we go, as ever, we'll engage with your listeners' questions. joined by friend of the show Cy Mooney from YNWA Irish Reds to so tell us about the walk for the 96 which is on this Saturday in Dublin's Phoenix Park now it's open to all it's a chance for us to show our solidarity and it's much more than just a walk so Cy could you fill us in a bit more mate yeah basically all that's planned at the moment is that we're all going to arrange to meet at the Pope's Cross at half two and then from there on then there's designated t-shirts we got 96 t-shirts printed out for the day and they've been designated to different supports clubs who've helped to arrange on the day each person that's going to wear the 90s, one of the t-shirts that we've got done, it'll be a special day for them because as in each one, they'll be rep- representing one of the people that have unfortunately died on the tragedy on the day. So there'll be one or two other things planned along the day. So basically then from there then, the walk is going to begin at seven minutes past three, which will be the same time they're all games kick off on the same day. From there then, the walk will last 96 minutes. We've been designated with a, a, a route that we have to take that we've gone along a cycle track and stuff like that. It takes us in and around the 15 acres. So we may, depending on the size of the crowd, it may take two laps, may take three laps, but to try and basically get it to last for the 96 minutes. On the turn then from the walk, what we're going to do is we're going to come back to the Pope's Cross where we've a couple of things planned then, we've a couple of songs and that that we're going to play. We've given, given today then we've received a letter from Margaret Aspinall from the Hillsborough Family Support Group and we've also received one from Sheila Coleman from the Hillsborough Justice Campaign which they've asked us to read out on behalf of the both campaigns just to thank everybody who has turned up on the day. Then on the day, we've also got 96 red helium balloons, which again, it's going to tie in with each person that's been given a t-shirt. And we've also got red LED candles. So each person at the end of the speech and stuff like that and the readings, what they're going to be doing, we're going to be giving them each a red balloon for at the end. And at the top of the hill, then on the post cross, we're going to do a minute silence then at the end. And then when the minute silence is over and the end of the whistle, we're going to ask each and every person just to let each balloon off. And then we're going to play and have a walk alone and just take it on from there. Then the news we've gotten today, then also just the last minute before I come in was that the Phoenix Park have donated an Irish oak tree 
in memory of the 96 people so they want us to plant that maybe on the day the, the details are a bit sketchy still at the moment but we should have more by the end of the week so hopefully that comes off well that, that sounds like an absolutely beautiful ceremony and a, and a, and a very pleasant kind of a, a way to spend the time uh, sorry could you tell us a little bit about the origins of it how it came together basically the way it all worked around was that on our club page YNWA Irish Reds the Facebook page we received a message from a girl called Charlie Maloney now in the message it just basically turned around and says that like She's a girl from Liverpool herself, she's from the Anfield area, and the message read just that there's a campaign going on over on the Easter weekend called Walk for the 96, and basically that what that is, there's a girl called Cherie Brewster who has organised a walk from Hillsborough to Anfield, which ends, it starts on the Saturday and ends on the bank holiday Sunday weekend, and in that they stop off at different grounds on the way, so basically all Charlie's message just read was that like she wanted to know why has not such thing been organised in Ireland or Dublin, given that the such support that we have over here for Liverpool. So basically what she just said to me, says, look, which club, the fan base that you have, is the other first club that we sort of contacted, would it be anything possible that you might be able to be able to drum up a bit of support? So from in that, just, it just planted a bit of a seed in my head, so we just turned around and said, well, maybe we can organise something. The first thing we had to do was just try and pick a location of where we were going to do it and when we were going to do it. We were sort of thinking in and around the bank holiday weekend, but then we were sort of saying, like, it may and may not work with people going away with the Easter weekend, would we get the fan base coming up? And I just thought of the idea when the Premiership and all the FA and that announced that the games were all going to be kicking off at 7 minutes past 3 on the 12th, I thought that was the ideal situation, that mm. we could turn around and say, well, we could take it from there and stuff. So the location then just came about, I was just thinking, we, said, we just said, well, where's Central in Dublin, somewhere that can be held such a walk if you got such a big crowd and stuff like that, and then we wouldn't have to get different things involved with closing roads. So we just thought the idea of the Phoenix Park so we approached the LPW then that week and we got talking to them. So basically, they designated us with a route, but they said there's a couple of things that we had to go through in order for the walk to happen. Mm. We had to go and get public liability insurance. We had to go and get like sign different letters of indemnity and different force. We had to get nominate force day people that are official force day people and stuff. So it's now all on from there. There's an awful lot of hard work has gone into it, but it will be worth around the day when things come off and it'll it'd be a good memory to have for sure I, I assume so that because of the nature of the of the, the venue for it it's the kind of thing that basically if anyone wants to come and join in and oh, be yeah, part of like, the day they can what do what we're trying to do we're trying to take away from the thing that, that like, it's just going to be a day all about Liverpool at the end of the day like this is a football section that we're, like, we're talking about it's a football thing like at the end of the day now football supporters should go to a game and never return home from a game yeah. so basically what we're asking is and we know that there is other lads who support different clubs they wanted, they wanted to know, can they come on the day? And the answer is definitely, of course, no matter who you support or where they where they come from or anything, we're asking you to come out on the day, show your support and wear whatever club colours there is. As I said, it's not just a Liverpool thing. Unfortunately, it's their club connection that's connected with such a tragedy, but at the end of the day, as I said, we should now football support ever go to a game and never come home. For sure, so it's about showing solidarity no matter exactly. what your what your inclination is. So we get the word out and get people there. And Basically, that's all we yeah. want to do. We're trying to get it out there as much as we can. Now, we've been... In a couple of papers, recently done an interview with Liverpool Echo then last weekend, which they're going to do a piece on what we're doing during the week. We're hoping that one or two papers will come up on the day, which we've already advertised in. But what we're trying to do is, and if anyone does know that can help out, we're trying to get one or two of the TV stations involved, regards like RTE or TV3. Mm. The way we look at it is, anytime anything comes up about Hillsborough or anything like that, they will put it on their sports news, they will back it. But what we're looking to do is like for them to come out and give us a bit of support to show that Ireland is trying to do something to give a bit of support to the people across the water. So we'd like if anyone has any connections or anything like that that can help to maybe just give us a shout or let the lads on the day trippers know and maybe we can get in touch with them and see if they can do anything for us. That's fantastic. Well you heard the man if there's anyone out there who can help in any way, shape or form, please do. So thanks a million for coming in and telling us about that. Thanks very much, lads.
Right, let's start with a review of West Ham 1, Liverpool 2. We all forecast wins, well, nearly all of us, and we got one up to this year. Uh, that's been unheard of. All told, it was an exceptionally professional performance with some real men standing up to an aerial bombardment on the, on the day. So a win to be proud of, if not to savour, then I think we can all agree. Is that right, Si? Yeah, is it? Um, I thought it was a. It was one of those games, really. I, I, I guess the, the any game against Big Sam is going to be a, a kind of just a bombardment into the box, isn't it? So yeah. we kind of knew what to expect. But um, I thought that the way we defended and the and the uh, and I guess the the way we dealt with Andy Carroll was really really good actually. And I think it kind of um, considering that we've been a little bit dicey defensively this season, I think it was a kind of like a really good test for us. And it tested, uh, you know, both our mental resolve, but also, you know, I think it was, uh, um, it, it will be good uh, for us going forward to know that, you know, we can deal with those type of situations as well. Uh, and those kind of aerial bombardments where we've probably been a little bit weak in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Daly, it's fair to say that that was one to at least be proud of, if not necessarily enjoying the day. Yeah, absolutely. I was very happy with the defence. Um, you know, I think they, they stood up to the test quite well. Um you know, even even with the few headers that Carroll did win, you know, he's, he should be winning some, regardless of how good we are in the mm. air, given his size. We, we sent him the right way with them. You mm. know, he was he was playing them back into midfield. We, we, were, we had lots of cover in behind for whenever he was trying to get a, a flick on. And, um, yeah, yeah, quite, quite pleased with the two centre-halves. Probably less pleased with the with the full-backs, but I'm sure we'll we'll come to that yeah, we will as, indeed. as time goes indeed. on. Yeah, we will. Um, Slowly, what, what do you... What do you Right there, Phil. <laughs> as, time, as, time as time goes, goes by. by. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm a musical kind of fellow. <laughs> it's just every excuse for you to get a song in here. Um, Floody, tell me what tell me what you felt after that game. Were you were you proud of the win? Yeah, it was ter- shocking kind of thing to watch the whole ninety minutes was. of the game. It was. We never really got out of, of second gear. I felt mm. uh, there was no real tempo in our play. To take three points out of that game is just it's it's, it's all you're looking for at this stage. Mm. You're going to get games like this during the season that you don't play particularly well and you take your three points, and that's the most we can take from yesterday. Defensively, I thought the two centre halves done very well against Carroll, uh, but I think what Stephen was just saying there that the great thing was that any knockdowns when he is going to get a lot of knockdowns, no matter who plays against them. It was the second ball we picked up a lot of the time, mm. and that that was what was kind of pleasing that that. The, Nolan's runs are picked up or anything like that so they do feeding off scraps for the whole game and I felt we were comfortable dealing with that a lot of the time so it's it, it kind of it's three points and I'm happy okay yeah, happy. fair play nice one um, Paul what, what would you think of that point that Fluffy made it's basically there was a few signs there of some sort of development and, and, and reason to be reason for us to be happy even if we didn't enjoy it on the day yeah definitely I think it was down in the calendar basically as you know a real test for the defence because we've struggled there really this year but it was a great performance from from the two centre backs and as, as we said like you know any knockdowns or anything were kind of swept up yeah. like the, the only time would like West Ham's goal just came from a referee balls up like the rest of it we handled really well yeah. except for Carroll hitting the crossbar so yeah I, I didn't think we'd play we'd defend that well with the question marks that have been over kind of skirt all season and then Sacco coming in at the last minute so you have to be delighted with that really so Phil I finished up with something that you could be pleased with but uh, it wasn't too enjoyable fella no again we, and we've done it a lot this season I thought 
a real game of two halves. Um, where again, I suppose it comes down to the fact that we we tired them out. If you look at it in a tactical way, we 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 matched them right the way through the first half. Dealt whatever they threw at us, um, tired them out by moving the ball around quicker in the second half, and then were able to strike in that in, in that really crucial time in, in the second half to get the get the second penalty. And it felt like that we were building a, a head of steam anyway before we got the the second penalty. And when it did, game was wrapped up. Mm. Um, really good controlled uh, seeing out of the match. It was something that we probably talked about a lot in the first half of the season, where we, Jesus, we're not seeing the control around this. It's always <coughs> real nervy about the wheels. That team looked composed and it didn't look like there was ever going to be um, any other result than 2-1 or 3-1 when, when we got there with the exception of the, of the Carroll header we, we dealt with everything um, Fortune smile maybe a bit to get uh, Sacco back into the side because he was exactly what we needed on the day yeah. and um, all in all it's it's a pleasure again it's it's, it's, it's one of these things that we're, we're, we're grown to love we're grown to get used to and it's great being a Liverpool fan that we're able to do this again hmm. we're, we're starting to you to, can trust them you can trust them to, yeah. to get results as we say going into the biggest match of the season but you know <laughs> you, you know it, 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 previous years we would have been wondering is, are we going to drop points here and there's a nervousness that we've had all the way through that we're dropping points so Listen, it's 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 just phenomenal at this stage, and it, it, you know the the first half was muck, but the second half was was everything you wanted it to be. I think there was even nearly a, a, a little lesson learned from the Sunderland game. You know, nervy two one. We didn't look nervy at two one yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and <clears throat> when when the even when the board went up and it was four minutes at a time, I wasn't thinking to myself, oh shit, you know what I mean? Just hold it out because I was for the Sunderland game. It was really you know edge of seat stuff going please do not fuck it up here um, is, is that just, just on it is that because in reality Sunderland's game plan was to get, get to the 65th minute still in the game with ourselves and try you know to, to not concede 4 or 5 and, and, and give it a bash for the last 25 minutes because that's when they brought in their best two players that day West Ham's was to try get something and defend it and in a way, when they get the the equaliser before half time, yeah, they're defending that. They think that that's the, that's their result. There, all they need to do is defend well the second half. Where, yeah, well, I know what you're saying. But even when we even when we went two one up, um, we, we we controlled the game from there as well. You know, like and and that that thing of just constantly being on the front foot. We didn't. We we never looked on the back foot. Even when they brought on Carlton Cole, they decided to try and start going. You know, go, going route one or, or more direct than they route zero <laughs> if there is more direct <laughs> route, route minus four or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, is it possible to go more direct? They haven't invented a way more direct. Well, I, I think against Sunderland uh, when they made the substitutions early on or in the second half, they changed the system and the style they played, uh, and I think that's why we struggle a little bit because they they, they put key in there. And he caused Jared all problem, all kinds of problems in there because Jared didn't want to make a tackle, and, and Key is good with his feet, mm. but he unlocks he, the defence. He is, yeah. And he, yeah. Oh <laughs> God! I cannot believe he jumped in for that one. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, get out, get out, get out. That's set him up for a fucking kipper. But fast Hamley gets the ball. Kind of plan A is get it out wide and get a cross in. Plan B is get it out wide and get a cross in. And plan C is get it out wide and get a fucking cross in. Like it's, and that that's all you've done. And once we coped to that, that early, is, is that, that Pat Samuels that David Moyes? What, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same book. <laughs> I think I think I played into our hands a bit that like, just like a, a bit before we got the second panel, they like Allardyce kind of made a few switches that made it look like they were settling for a one all, and that I think they kind of struggled after that to kind of. 
kind of re yeah. reassess and go go after us again when we went two one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so aside from uh, the enjoyment that we got from seeing Sam's team lose. Um, the team selection was kind of slightly governed by injuries with Sacco coming back, but it was a hell of a return to the first 11. Skirtle as well did a lot of Carroll bashing all the way through the game, looked pretty dominant. It was a hell of a display by the two centre-backs, wasn't it? Yeah, without a question. I, I, I've, um, I've kind of criticised Skirtle at times this season because he's... Uh, uh, I think he, you know, kind of earlier this season, I, th- I thought it was a bit of a disaster waiting to happen at times. But uh, God, he's kind of really grown in the last ten games or so. I think he's been absolutely immense. Um, uh, you know, both uh, <laughs> both going forward. I mean, six goals from a centre back is, is a really, really good return. But defensively, he's been a rock as well. And um, and Sacco came in yesterday, and you know, that's that's what we paid. Uh, the you know the the eighteen million for. I mean, he was calm, composed. His passing was absolutely brilliant yesterday. Sacco, he's kind of, you know, he's he's he's, he's just unruffable. He gets his, he's able to get his foot on the ball, um, and he's he, he's always can pick out a you know a, a, a Liverpool player. And I think he's just he's going to be a, a a great centre back for us. I think Sacco, but um, just a, just a point as well about. I think sometimes this season, I think uh, people have uh, rightly pointed out to the flair and the and the and the big wins that we've had this season, and that's really been like the dominating characteristic of the team. But I'll tell you what, this team really knows how to grind out a result as well. If you go back to like you know the Villa game where we were absolutely shocking, but we still able, were able to get a draw out of it. You know, kind of Car- Cardiff, Sunderland yesterday. Um, you know, when we've learned how to grind out a game. Um, and uh, that that you know mixed in with the flair that we have as well, you know it's it's a formula for champions. It really is. And you know it's, it's, how how we've all of a sudden come across this formula, um, I guess is open to a lot of debate. Uh, you know, as Doctor as Professor Peters had an impact. You know, Brendan Rodgers has got to take a huge amount of credit as of the players. But um, I'd, uh, one of the you know I actually quite like seeing us grind out a win sometimes because it's you can't win every game kind of four or five nil and you do need to have that in in your locker and uh, yeah we did it brilliantly again yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point that that Simon makes there, um, Paul. It's reassuring, isn't it, to win like that sometimes? Yeah, I think in previous seasons we'll have lost that game or at most drawn, especially with the like the ref kind of fucking us over like he did. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a, I think it is something that we've shown throughout the season, like the Fulham game, at Craven Cottage, where like we did our best to throw it away, but we we just kept coming back for more. It's a, it's just something that's good to see. Yeah, um, Steve Sacco. Uh, you wouldn't have any nerves about that man continuing. And as Sai said, it's distribution, which is something that's maybe not associated with him readily. It's, it, you think of him, you think of physicality, but that kid's distribution is wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I suppose, I think the way the game panned out yesterday, you now maybe it was because Saka was in there that Carroll decided to put himself on Skirtle. But I think had we had Agar in there yesterday, we, we probably would have got the same result with the way Skirtle played. I thought he was, as, as much credit as Sacco deserves for coming straight back in and having not had a run of games and whatever, I thought Skirtle was immense. He, he attacked every ball as though he wanted to murder Andy Carroll as well as get the ball. Yeah. And it was great to see. It's what it needed because Carroll didn't have that domineering effect that he sometimes can have. Mm. Um, but yeah, Sacco on the ball, excellent. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have 
somebody that when you know we, we always used to think Agar is our ball playing centre half he's the one that's going to step out with it now you can see a little bit more confidence in Skirtle doing that he did it a couple of times yeah, yesterday sure. um, and it's great to know that if Agar, if Agar isn't going to be in the starting 11 that you're bringing an absolutely brilliant player in mm. like Sacco and, and you know it's his place to keep now you know what I mean mm. I, I think he has to stay in for the City game regardless of whether Agar's fit or not well, that's, um, that's an interesting point Philly. Is that is that the way you'd see it that Sacco's in there now and he holds a shirt <clears throat> as a centre half partnership that's what I'd expect most of the time uh, th- there's no reason why he should be put back out of the team no matter what kind of form Agar was on previous mm-hmm. um, like when, you, when you strike up a partnership like that it, it really should be all about who who's in control of the jersey mm-hmm. Like the last thing you want to do is see the likes of Sacco come in and just be put out because Agar's fit again You know, mm-hmm. like he, was, he was excellent yesterday as you said his distribution everything he'd done uh, he didn't put a foot wrong the whole game so mm-hmm. Keeps the jerseys as far as I'm concerned, and that, that, that should go all over the park. Maybe. He's an 18 million pound player as well. He's not a kid that's just come in from the academy. That's you know what I mean? True, so yeah. he's a player that's that, that we've bought because he's a. He, you know, it's something that struck me yesterday. There's another winner, and if that makes any sense, you look at Toure coming. Up, people who know how to win a championship, and and I'm. I'm only when you're looking at it now, you realise how many people are in that team are born winners. It's something we lacked a lot of over the last while, mm. and it's something that we have in abundance now. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 probably one of the main reasons why we are where we are. It's a it's a mm. it's a mental toughness, a mental strength to to tell each other that when things aren't going wrong, not to put the head down and think shit, that's us done with. Mm. To think there's still loads of time left here to go and get a goal or two goals or whatever we need to get ourselves back in that winning position. Mm. There's a belief in themselves, and there's there's a mentality there now. That we are going to win. Yeah. If only someone had written something like that recently. Um, so was that your? I didn't read your piece. No. Website joke. <laughs> uh, I, Phil. This is um, that was the note of the article I was written. I wrote it was around that everything. That's been done. It's the it's the effort of small pieces now that's made the big jigsaw puzzle come come as far as it has, um, and we'll talk about in the summer the next level, the next step with this team. How do we make this team better again? But just looking at the two boys, we we we, we talked about it a few times in uh, in here saying what does a Skirtland and Sacco partnership look like? Do you lose that bit on the ball because Agra's out of the out of the team or not? And listen. Sacco, as Sai rightly pointed out, he was immense on the ball. His passing is, is phenomenal, even though he looks unorthodox in the way he plays. Um, and Skirtle, for the abuse he got before Christmas, in general, from the fan base in general, like the rest of the team, he's been a player transformed since Christmas, very rarely putting a foot wrong. And he had the measure of Andy Carroll. And if, if, if somebody was to say to you five months ago, Skirtle was going to boss Andy Carroll all over the pitch, you would have said, not likely, you know, and, and and it's to his credit that Carroll tried to focus his game on Skirtle to to intimidate him, to to overpower him, and Skirtle just bashed him, mm. and basically took Carroll out of the game for mm. for the majority of the actual match, barred a header on, on, onto the bar. It resulted to Andy Carroll having to punch things out of goalkeeper's hands like a big guy player, but you know, it's it, it's a measure, and that 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 centre half partnership, as as Damien rightly said. That has immense immense potential. Now again, we're back to the squad thing. You know, we'll be talking about Colo later on, but there's options there. You can play it a different way. You can pick horses for courses, and it's just great. Like he, Sacco is a leader. Um, you know, we've got leaders all over the pitch. It's 
it's just great. Well, you're after uh, dipping into the next topic there, and you might as well stay on talking about depth. And we may have it at centre half, and we knew we had it from the start of the season. But with Flano and Johnson, neither of them were exactly tremendous. Johnson got shown up by Stuart Downing, and let's just be honest, that's <laughs> fucking shocking. Um, Flanagan got bypassed a lot too. It's one area where we don't have a lot of depth. I, I, the fullbacks for me had a very up and down game. I thought they were very poor the first half. I, thought, I couldn't understand why Johnson stood off um, Downing so much and just let him get the ball and run at him. Um, because the only thing that Downing can do is get the ball and run at you and often run out of play as we saw at, at the weekend as well. Um, but like you don't invite him into the game and we invited him into the game and let him let him look like a player as soon as, soon as we got tied to him as soon as we started pressing him he didn't want to know he disappeared out of the game like the player that he is because he's got no guts for a challenge at all Flanagan was an interesting one he had did a lot wrong he also did a lot right um, he's just one of these players like it, it, again he gets he, he wins the penalty for the, that wins us the match you know he, he gets up the pitch he gives it you're going to get your heart he's a, he's an excellent squad player he, he deserves a place in the squad but he's going to have bad games and, and if we had a competent left full we may have changed that um, in the game but, you know it's, it's, it's just one of those things I, I wouldn't break them too much we won the game the goal that they got doesn't really come from an air and air half but they did look the weaker part of the side on, on, on Sunday So is that harsh to criticise the full backs um, for a patchy performance probably from both of them um, Yes it's weird to think that we are where we are this season without our first choice centre back uh, left back sorry in, in Jose Enrique I mean we've kind of had players filling in there all season that have done you know have kind of uh, all contributed to, to different kind of levels I think uh, yeah I mean it was I guess if you if you look at it from the perspective yesterday that, that West Ham what had maybe one shot on target during the entire game, I think collectively the defence defence did quite well. Um, I think that the fullbacks, you know, they probably they, they neither neither were their defensive best yesterday, but um, they do they both offer us a kind of an outlet going forward. Um, I think I don't know, it's probably uh, I think. Yes, yesterday, you know, that they, they probably did give, uh, you know, they they weren't uh, probably didn't give us enough, quite enough cover, and, and Downing probably got on the ball a little bit too much. But I probably wouldn't say that they were they were shocking yesterday. I think that they, you know, it's just one of those games where uh, where Johnson wasn't at his best, and and Flano's still a little bit raw sometimes, and, and he gets beaten a little bit too easily. And I think that the two or three times that happens in a game tends to be really highlighted. And uh, there was a couple of times yesterday where he was really, you know, really beaten quite easily. But um, I think collectively the defence did really well yesterday, and it limited West Ham to, to not much at all in front of goal. That's fair enough, Steve. Um, Twenty-seven crosses <laughs> Liverpool faced yesterday, as opposed to eight which <laughs> Liverpool put in. Is that a direct comment on our fullbacks' performance, or is it just a direct comment on the way West Ham played? We saw too much Stuart Downing, basically, didn't we? Yeah, and and none of Matthew Eddington, as I'd predicted. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think there's uh, I think there's a bit of both, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, there is. He's not retired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I made a ball the last Monday, so it doesn't matter. Um, no, it, it's a bit of both. You know, yeah. I, I I predicted here last week that I felt West Ham would go with, um, or would, not would go with, but would have a very 
tough physical middle of the park that they try and play with. That's all they have, really. They don't have the creative flair players that we have to play in that position. So I suppose, and, and we heard Bren then later in the week saying that um, that that Alan would have come in had it not been for an injury. And you know, and, and I think he, you know, he probably got me text and and knew. <laughs> Probably <laughs> knew it, knew knew I was right. The minute Bren came out, we were all just going. I want to say it. <laughs> I can't keep on saying Rogers or Bren and Brendan Rogers. It's just going to be Bren. You got to be honest, mate. He's your mate, Bren. Yeah, my mate, Bren. He's your mate, Bren. No, in in all seriousness, yeah. You know, I, I had a I had a bad feeling about the the fullbacks for this yeah. game. I think they probably played worse than I thought they were going to. I think. Listen, as as Phil said, you know, Flano just had a, a poor game. That's that's fair enough. That's he's a young lad. He's going to have ups and if we're able to accept the ups and downs that Sterling or Coutinho are going to have, we have to accept uh, accept them from Flanagan as well. He's yeah. never going to be our first. If put it this way, if we go into next season with Flanagan as our first choice fullback in either position, we have a problem. And that's not slating the young lad. That's just saying that we haven't addressed areas that if we want to step on and be competent at Champions League level and retain a, a top four place next season, there are areas that desperately need to be strengthened. Jesus, that's a, that's a, that's a big shed. Bloody, would you come in behind that in terms of squad depth and seeing Flano going into next season? I, I, I think as a place in the squad, what I'll say about Johnson and Flanagan is both of them are very good kind of systems players in terms of they'll talk around as the fullback mm. and the likes of that. In terms of being in a 1v1, neither of them are great. Um, and sometimes we'll try to isolate them when a 1v1 and if they get caught with a 1v1 more than likely most of the time they do get done that they're very easily beaten on a 1v1 um, I, I couldn't figure like when, when the game started I was going what the fuck is the Amay doing over uh, Flanagan mm. and he just but he seemed to roast him a lot in the first half yeah. um, it was like they wanted the physicality of the Amay and they, they could provide a, a, one of their direct balls to him as well it's classic Sam doesn't it exactly but yeah. in fair, credit to the Amay he knows the television cameras and he actually, you know, did very well down the yeah. flank. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Did. But a lot of the time, the, the two lads will do a good job at fullback. But in one v one situations, they do struggle. And if you're looking towards Champions League next year, you want a player that can do both. That can yeah. be yeah, quality in a one v one and also be fit into the system quite easily. Mm. You know, at the moment, the two fullbacks can only do one. And, and that's just just to go back. I'm, I'm not <coughs> slating Flanagan there. Just yeah. just so we're clear on that. I, I absolutely think he has a place in the squad, and I think. Next season, if we're going to have 55 games or thereabouts, including the Champions League run, he's going to play a lot of games. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be worried about him going into any of them. But my point is, if he is our first choice fullback, then I believe we've failed to address an area that needs to be looked at. I think, I think Flanagan, in my mind, would very well be a Liverpool John O'Shea. Yeah, absolutely. In that he can come in, he'll do cover a, those positions. a really good job for you, cover yeah. either side. You know, we'll struggle when there's a better quality fullback to retain a, a forced eleven. Like you're, you're naming your force, but you will have no problems if you see him name on the team sheet because he's going to come in. He's going to play 25, 30 games a season, and he's going to do the job for you. And you need players like that. Yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, Paul, uh, a man who came into the mix there at the back um, and had certainly an effect uh, of, of some sort was Colo. Um, <laughs> He came on, he gesticulated, he told everyone to calm down, and uh, I don't know, maybe other people were buying it, but I was just laughing my head off. I've been laughing my head off. I've, I've been laughing my head off with Colo since he arrived at the club, for good and bad reasons. I, he's just great value. But were you buying him as a, a, a settler on the day? God, Colo telling people to calm down is something else. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, what's going on? He's, well, 
he came in. He, he had like you know, he, 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 I think he got his head on one cross or a really good clear and header. Yeah. But then then he had his kind of colo moment where he nearly chipped Mignolet from <laughs> yeah, about twelve yards out. Where <laughs> like he's uh, like he's he's like um. You know, if you're having a game of Astro and someone pulls out and like some other fella goes, "Oh, my uncle will play," and this little kind of this kind of tubby fella comes through and now you don't you don't know what to think really. Like, what's this for? And the ball, like the ball comes off him at all weird angles. Like, like if you kick the ball at Torre a hundred times, it'll come off him a hundred different ways. Like, you don't know how it's gonna bounce. But off he's him. talking a great game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. but he's he, and he, but he's enthusiastic and all. He, he wants he, it a hundred yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't help but like him. And I'll, Give you, it to me on my ear. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help but like him, but he's scared of shit out of you as yeah. well. Like. Yeah. Uh, you how calm were you when you saw Cole coming in? Did it, did it make you breathe easier for the last one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, oh, Colo's just uh, brilliant, isn't he? I mean, I think he's. Um, uh, I remember, I think I tweeted at the beginning of the season saying that he might be the signing of the season, and it, it probably sounds a little bit, uh, a little bit daft now, but I don't think you can underestimate the. Uh, the the influence he's got on the squad. I mean, you can imagine him at Melwood every single day. The guy's won, he's won the Premier League with Arsenal and City. So he's mm. been there and done it. And um, he's, I, I, you just feel that he's, you know, he's he's got a real influence on the team. When he comes down and telling people to calm down, and you know, it's just such a character. And uh, you, you know, he's got that kind of, I guess that that mentality that you know that you can't place a value on really. Um, he's. <laughs> He's a bit. I think when he's when he's on the ball, he's one of those players where you're not quite sure what he's going to do. Um, and uh, I don't think the two own goals he scored this season have really helped. Uh, really helped with that. But no. uh, he's just he's just brilliant value, and I think he's a great character to have around the club. And if you know if, if we do, um, you know if we, if we can win the league this season, and I do think that his presence in the squad is going to you know is, is going to have been uh, a factor. Uh, towards towards our belief, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, Floody, let's move it on up the field a little bit and take a look at the midfield and how they did. Um, you've got to start with Stephen Jarrett, who for the second half of the season has been just frankly ridiculous. Showed immense bottle and ball pens again. He's really got the bit between his teeth, hasn't he? He's, he? In fairness, you could say he almost pushed Henderson in terms of his energy levels. Never mind performance. <laughs> The last few weeks, uh, well, even since Christmas, when we all questioned Stephen Gerrard's role in this team, and when he moved into this so-called defensive midfield, we all questioned him. Everybody questioned him. Yeah. Uh, he struggled in the first game or two, but it's the, the last 12, 13 weeks, he's been phenomenal. Mm. He's absolutely been phenomenal. For a man who's supposed to become the end of his career, his work rate has been excellent, his covering has been excellent, and most of all, his passing. Like, that pass for Suarez's goal yesterday, or for the, the penalty that... that like, there's not many players in the world can pick that pass up. Like, that, that's 60, 70 yards on the money between defenders. Like, there's not many people can do that. And he's still picking up all the defensive duties. Henderson, I thought, was excellent yesterday. Uh, worked the socks off. I, 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 I was a little bit worried about Coutinho starting in there. Um, I thought we would have needed a tour player in there from the start. I couldn't write that he went with Coutinho over Lucas to start with from the beginning but I don't think Coutinho offered us anything yesterday mm. anything at all uh, but, but going back to Gerard, he, he was just phenomenal yesterday and he has been for the last few weeks yeah um, Steve always oh, he's a man with a, with a something in sight and he's a very driven human at the moment doesn't he absolutely yeah it's no no question about it um, 
you can see it in every performance how much he wants this how much how much it means to him and I know that that's probably very you know cliche driven um, you know in, in the sense of how much he wants and he wants to lift the league title but genuinely like just even after the games, it's it's you know there's a there's just a, a look of determination on his face mm. of like fucking next, let's have you. Well, that's next. it, Steve. There's not a lot of shit talk about uh, hunger and how hungry we are. And yeah. Look, it, look, that's fair enough, and you can't argue that one. Letterman weeks. <laughs> yeah, but but let's, I can have a steak let's, May the fifteenth. Let's be honest and have a look at the guy's eyes. Look at the wide-eyed celebration. It's it means more than it ever has. Yeah, of course. and why wouldn't it? You know, yeah. he realizes that. Next year, Man City, United, Chelsea will probably go out and spunk a, a ton of money in the summer. Probably should be back at the summit again. And, and I'm not saying we can't challenge with that, but yeah. he doesn't have to sit there in August and think about what's going to happen over the next 38 games. And, you know, he knows he's got through a season relatively unscathed. I know he had a few, a few weeks out, but, you know, he's looking at this going five games now. And this is my chance to add that one elusive trophy that I that you know it's it's his holy grail. During this whole time, he's been sitting on a yellow card, one yellow card, and he's missing two games. Yeah. he's been yeah. sitting on that, and how he's managed himself through mm. these games, being that kind of emotional, being that aggressive, playing at the high level he has, and yet, and he's managed to stay clear of the yellow card yeah. as well, has been just fantastic. I think he, he he should be given big credit as well for learning a role. Um, over the course of a season because he it wasn't a natural defensive midfielder mm. I personally doubted that he'd ever be able to play a defensive midfield role um, and he's proved uh, proved me wrong anyway because it, it's it's phenomenal in terms of the, the level that he's brought himself up to um, in that defensive midfield role he, he knows when to press a ball he knows where to sit now we're not talking about oh he goes AWOL and he lets players run past him he's tracking all those runners he, he, he since he got that injury and had that spell out of the team He's looked a different player again since he's come back from the injury. It's almost as though, and maybe it ha did happen, but Rodgers took him aside and said, look, when you come back into the team, you're going in as my defensive midfield pivot. The whole thing, of the f you're going to link the back four to the midfield. I'm going to put two runners around you. You can't do it. I've, I've had a good look at this now. You can't do the running that I, expect you to, that I expected you to do beforehand. I want you to screen that back four. Start looking at, at players the way they do it. Look, look at other players. Look at Pirlo. Look, look at players around your age who've managed to play this role as they went on. And I'll put as much energy as I can beside you to pick up all the other stuff that you would have done. And to, he, he's, he's, he's obviously looked at the team when he's out injured. He's, he's developed faith in those players around him, which is a huge thing in, in the way Gerard plays. He's not trying to do everyone's job anymore. He's just doing his job. And by him just doing his job in that midfield... Air midfield functions as a perfect unit. Um, it was interesting when Lucas came on that he pre Lucas was up high up the pitch again, and he was more involved in the final third than Gerard was for the whole game. And in fact, it's, it's his pass that leads to the penalty. He, he, mm. he splits two defenders. Flanagan gets in on the overlap. <laughs> Lucas <to> Flanagan, <laughs> <laughs> a championship winning team. <laughs> Lucas with a defence splitting pass to Flanagan. Flanagan yes, yeah. legendary, isn't he? Cool. But, but we go back to Man United. It was it was Fletcher's defence splitting pass for John O'Shea. Like, yeah, it yeah, was. It was. Yeah, but if you were listening, if if you were listening to this now. <laughs> 
back in time in August, you'd think this is a fucking comedy poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A parody. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a testament, though, to Rodgers and to Gerrard, I think, in the sense that if you look at when Benitez realised he couldn't play central midfield, and, he, you know, he was probably very strong opinion, you know, he had very strong opinions of the fact that he felt he could, Stevie Gerrard did. Um, so Benitez put him out wide first, then played him off Torres because he put him in effective positions that wasn't in the middle of the park. And for Rodgers to be able to spot that maybe now was the time when he could play that role, be it be it because of the injury to Lucas, whatever it may have been, and for Stevie to actually go and have the discipline to to not, you know, he could, it would have been very easy for Gerard to to, you know, use his influence, use his dominance in the team as the captain, as a as a stalwart, as you know, it being the fact that he is Mister Liverpool, to just say that's not how I want to play. He could have done that, and he could have. That probably happened with Hudson and Kenny. I would think yeah. so. I would think so. And let's, we don't know. Let's we're, we're speculating, yeah, and, and you know, and, and but I think it's it's a widely uh, thought of uh, piece of speculation that that he just said I want to play central midfield, and they went okay, Stevie. Um, so uh, you know, but but uh, you know, from <laughs> the from wonderful impression. <laughs> that's exactly how he sounds. Listen, like. yeah. I talk to him a lot on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but in, in all fairness, Rogers has said this is how we're going to do it. If this is going to work, that's what you need to to change your game to. Yeah. And he's gone and done it. And if we lift that trophy, it's as much down it's it's as much down to that man as it is down to Luis Suarez's goals. Yeah. You know? Just just on Damien's earlier point about uh, Henderson, I thought he had a rubbish first half. I thought he he, he 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 ran the game in the second half. I thought he had a pretty rubbish. I thought he was pretty anonymous in, the, in that first half. I thought, in fact, I thought the whole midfield unit in. Outside of Gerard, I didn't think Coutinho and Henderson functioned at all. I thought when Henderson, when, when Coutinho went off, the midfield began to function because he wasn't trying to press and cover everything that was going on. I'm going to statue here. I'm going to statue uh, Okay, status away stat, there. Uh, Jordan Henderson attempted 80 passes, which is more than any other player on the pitch, and was successful at 94% of them, um, which means that his second half must have been fucking spectacular. By yeah, he did seventy five of them in the second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a pass completion rate of one hundred and twenty seven percent in the second half <laughs> to, to atone for his shit first half. Yeah, he was passing to other people's balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so, Jordan Henderson, um, how did you feel he played today? And um, are people finally starting to take notice and, 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 and give him the credit he deserves for being quite a wonderful footballer all round? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's Henderson, yeah, I, I agree. He probably wasn't as effective as he has been uh, in the first half, but second half he, he stepped up and, and, and really dominated uh, the midfield. And, um, yeah, just uh, on Gerrard, I think he, you know, last 10 games, he's, he's in a sh- in with the shout with uh, for our player of the season, I think. He's been absolutely immense and uh, he's really um, stepped up and, you know, it's, it's, it's the leadership as well. I think it's, it's such an important thing. And, uh, you know, he's... Uh, he's he's always had that ability to kind of like um, drag the team through uh, to to get a result, and you know he's so hungry. You can see it in in pretty much everything he does at the moment, and he really really wants this. And I think he's just been absolutely immense. And um, I I don't know. I, it's weird, isn't it? You don't you know you don't believe in in fate, but you think to yourself like there's a script here to be written, isn't there? I mean, you know, Stevie's re- reaching the end of his career. You know, he's never won a Premier League title. He's stayed with his boyhood boyhood club for his entire life, and you know, we're five games away from winning the Premier League in, in possibly, you know, uh, his penultimate season or, or, or you know, there or thereabouts. And there's a script to be written, isn't there? And and you just think, can you imagine that uh, 
Steven Gerrard lifting the Premier League trophy at Anfield against Newcastle would just be absolutely incredible. I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are dreaming about that, aren't they, so in fairness? Yeah. Yeah. I, Paul, can you maybe start talking about some of the incidents that I suppose we should start looking at rather than necessarily just personnel? Uh, it's you know it was penalty pool wasn't it um, <laughs> and uh, you know penalty pool we, <laughs> club <laughs> <laughs> we we had one uh, a, look talk me through the incidents yourself and what you felt about them well the first penalty was Stonewall the second one is the one that's caused all the kind of all the aggro basically mm. uh, on on Twitter um, which. You can see both sides of that second one actually because um, the keeper does get a touch on the ball before he takes Flanagan out. So um, what you, you could say that he's, he's kind of he got a little touch on the ball, but the ball was still there to be played mm. by Flanagan, and the keeper took him down. I I would go fucking mental if that was given against Liverpool. To be yeah. fair, the first time when I when I saw it in real time, I said that it wasn't a penalty, and then you could kind of see where people were coming from with the the save. I, I, but yeah, I'd go mad if. Uh, if that was given against us, against us. but I, yeah, I'll, I'll laugh at the fact that it was given for us, oh, <laughs> like I did with storage at Old Trafford. Heartily, Phil, you have a strong opinion about whether this is a penalty or not. Yeah, and I'll, I'll come at it from from the goalkeeper's perspective um, in it because Unusual. when like something like you, yeah, uh, <laughs> no. But when, when I, I looked at it um, in real time, I said that's a penalty. Uh, not the, not the initial save. It's because he makes the motion with the two hands to his legs. If he takes his hands away, there's no penalty given there. It's 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 just deemed as a save. The fact that he put his hands onto Flanagan's legs, it's only it's only a fraction of a second. But I know from playing the game myself, when you do that, you're expecting the referee to blow. And he didn't have to. That's he didn't. The point. He didn't yeah. have to. He'd made the save. Yeah. He could have pulled his hands away, and nothing would have been given. Hmm. Now the one thing that's been missing is the storage actually finishes the the ball. Flanagan gets a little flick inside, and the storage knocked it into the net. I, I, thought, just, I thought he hit the side net. Was it side net? Yeah, he hit the side net, and he okay. didn't actually score. Well, that's, that's what Gerard was saying afterwards, was the reason, he, basically the referee was playing the advantage, and he saw oh. the storage missed, yeah. and then, okay, okay it's a penalty. There you go, uh, so the referee sees the hands to the legs, and in my opinion, it's only a, f- a fraction of a second, he sees the movement of the hands to the legs, and that's enough, hmm. because he has, to, he has to judge it on what he sees, and if I, mm-hmm. if, if I was the referee looking at it, and I see the hands going to the legs, that's a penalty for me, it's, it's a stupid move for the goalkeeper. Yeah, uh, Floody, Andy Carroll's assault, uh, uh, which led to their goal, how in the name of Jesus does that goal get awarded? It's, it's ridiculous, it's very frustrating as well, because like, all referees want their linesman to help them out, and dig them out, the linesman yeah. spots it, he calls it, the referee shouldn't question him or try to overrule him in that situation. The linesman has obviously spotted it. He was determined to overrule him, wasn't he? Oh, he was determined. You could see it. You could see that the whole conversation, he was trying to change the, the yeah. linesman's mind nearly. Yeah. That shouldn't be the referee's job. Like If it's a kind of 50-50 thing and one of them is not quite sure, then then by means he has to make a decision. Hmm. But like, why put your flag up and why call him over? Oh, why even go over? Yeah, why, why did he go, go over? over? Yeah, Just, you know. yeah, there was no need to. Like, but I'd love to know what did the linesman see. Like how at the end of the game did they get called up in front of the referees committee or whatever and they're asked to explain the decisions like why, why aren't we told or why aren't other people told like, they should be asked to come out and explain so at the end of it say the linesman or the officials come out and say well what did you see why did you call them over referee why did you call it what did you say it would kind of explain away like a lot of these contentious issues. Like it's yeah. it's mad, but that that should have never been given. Like yeah. clearly, felt. I think the thing is with that as well is um, if you think about it, you've got the um, the linesman's in line with the with the ball, so he can see Carroll jump leading with his his arm. He can see Carroll's hand. 
hit Minilay in the face. You don't stick your flag up unless you see a foul. There's no other reason to stick a flag up. No, absolutely none at all. So the linesman's seen it, seen the foul. The referee can see the back of Carroll, so he can't see the contact. All he sees is the um, ball drop out of, of Minulay's uh, uh, hands. So it, he can't see because he's looking looking on from the back of Carroll. So the linesman's seen it clearly. The ref goes over, and, and incredibly, it's just ridiculous, a complete comedy of errors that, that the ref thinks that he can overrule a foul that the linesman's clearly seen that he couldn't see. Um, it's, it was just a bizarre situation, and uh, I, I, yeah, he, they, they should really try and explain it. I, I don't think they can explain it. It was just ridiculous. It, it, it's a clear foul, but I, I, I said to the lads, I, I was disappointed that Minulay chose to, to try catch that in, in such a crowded area, um, and I, I think it was probably said to him at half time as well because the first time he had to deal with a cross in the second half, he punched the clear in a very similar circumstance. If Mignolet chose to punch that one there, the, that that goal doesn't happen, and we don't have this debate around it. But the the referee got it so wrong. When when it does happen, the referee is there to make the decision, and he got it wrong. And to be fair, Phil, as well, he did actually successfully catch it and got it knocked out of his hand. Yeah. And uh, sorry, got got his head creeled and then got the, his paw yeah. pulled down. You know, in fairness. Yeah, and I, 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 the the one thing I'd say is if we go back to last season, and we think back to the I think it was the League Cup game against West Brom when Brad Jones was playing a goal. And Jonas Olsen elbowed Brad Jones in the face for a goal that was given against us mm. um, because Jones went to catch <coughs> the ball as well. Mm. One of the things you're taught is, you, you know, if you're in a crowded penalty area, to avoid anything like that happen, don't take the chance, especially when you're coming over players, etc. Just punch the thing clear. Mm. Get, get, the, get a good punch and get plenty of distance and you can get yourself set again. Um, it's, 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 okay, he, he, I'm glad he, I'll tell you one thing though, for, in many nice credit, he was coming for the stuff, and we needed him coming for the actual balls, which was actually, it was good to see. Refreshing, yeah. Yeah, and like, he, and he did really well in the second half, the first time they got a corner, they did the exact same thing to see what was going to happen, and he, he was, I think he had a, a, a more pressure on him that time, and he got a great punch on him, Carroll's in, is in front yeah, of him he sends it out of the box. He's yeah, and, and he sends it clear out of the box. Is that the basic coaching, um, as a man who's been on the sharp end of a lot of it, to, to come and just get rid to clear as quickly as you can because it, it, it runs completely if, opposite to anything you've learned playing Gaelic football or anything we, we remember maybe in the past where you come and you, you're strong and you claim the ball well, uh, uh, my, my own um, learnings on it was that you, the decision you make is that if you've got more than four or five bodies in front of you or if you're coming through a crowd of bodies, you're better off punching because anything can happen on the way down when you catch yeah. the ball. It's yeah. the coming down that... that it is, takes where, the bounce off ahead. It's yeah, your fault. Yeah, yeah. Your, arms, your arms can be around the player. It can be knocked out of your hands that way, which is, and then it's dropped in the box. And if it's in the six-yard box, you're in, you're in all worlds of trouble. Yeah. If you punch the ball clear... Reina was brilliant. The one thing that Reina was brilliant in those situations, he used to be a phenomenal puncher of the ball, and that's how he used to deal with crowded areas. The halfway line. Yeah, and yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you punch it clear, you get set up, and you deal with the next ball that comes yeah. in. Like, but but it's it's it's. But again, I'd say I'd say just just on it, I'd say it, it's a clear foul. It, I'm not saying it yeah. wasn't a foul. I'm just saying, and it was good, to, refreshing to see that the decision making was spot on once he was asked the exact same question within five minutes of the restart. As Damo was alluded to there, though, I don't know how, you know, I suppose they want to just forget about it and get on with it, but how a referee hasn't had to come out and make a call on why that was, you know, the decision was made how it was is beyond me. Like, they're, they're mic'd up now. 
why could it not be? I know it's listen, it's all hypothetical stuff, but why could they not be used in the same way that the rugby refs are, in, in the sense of being able to hear what's what's well, being communicated? What was worse, I don't know so if you're going to come in there, but what was worse was that they were actually shown the replay on the big screen. Yeah, yeah no, behind us. Reason, but like, here's the question. He, he can't use that. Like that yeah. it's in no, the I know that. I know that. that. But as Sai said, the, the linesman puts up the flag. Now, none of us have ever been at a match where there's a contentious call, the linesman puts up the flag, and the ref comes over and goes, what's wrong? And he goes, oh no, fair play, good, good shout there. That was, that yeah, was I'm definitely only, just, I was just waving. Yeah. I was just saying well done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't happen. He's put up the fucking flag because there's something wrong. Yeah. And for the ref to come over and go, what's the story? And he goes, there's a foul on the keeper there. I think he's, I think he's had the ball taken away from him or he's taken a hit and he's dropped the ball. And the ref goes, ah, sure, fuck it. Well, in that instance, though, the referee is obviously believes that he has a better ankle on it and has decided that there wasn't the challenge. Wrongly, but that's what that's obviously what's but, happened. But there. Minelay has taken it cleanly. Like, fucking, it's, it's going to take it. A colossal hit to make him drop it. Like he has taken it, and then he gets clattered. Did anybody else the, love the, the slow mo the, when yeah. they were showing it? And his, his left, he gets banged in the right cheek, and the left one just goes. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just going, yes, fucking Rocky preview there. Just, well, it wasn't even a big dig, but he must have the most floppy jaws in the. <laughs> <laughs> the gold stank of Allardyce, though, didn't it? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol's flying through the air like Superman with his hand there. Like he's not even looking at the ball. He's like, oh, it's like give the keeper a slap. Here. West Ham's goal of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a team goal, a team goal. Kevin Daisy, Davies was sitting at home going, Oh God, I remember the good old days. <laughs> With his lad in his hand. <laughs> I didn't score any, but I used to whack the keepers out of <laughs> I was the best according keeper. To, Sorry, one. Uh, no, I say, according to Jonathan Pierce, there was nothing wrong with it anyway. So oh, yeah. That was unbelievable. <laughs> that, yeah, I was listening to that last night. I could not get my head around it. Even when he had a chance to go back and kind of correct himself, he didn't. Remarkable stuff. Um, so I would keep you on there. Um, talk to us about Luis Suarez and how he could have had two separate shouts for goal of the season if it wasn't for the woodwork. Uh, God, uh, every time you think you run out of superlatives about Suarez, he, he goes and does something else. He's just so unpredictable. I think that's the thing with him, isn't it? I mean, yeah. in, in both both those situations, you probably wouldn't have, have thought sh- shot, would you? So, And he somehow managed to pull out a shot and, and, and nearly scored on two occasions. And it's that unpredictability that he's got that just makes him you know, one of the best players in the world. I think he's... Um, he's just incredible, and I, I think that it's not. It's also that he just scores different types of goals as well. You know, you've got. You know, if you looked at someone like Torres when he was at Liverpool, you know, there was a, there was a type of goal that he used to score a lot of, which was you know kind of like, you know, I guess breaking breaking behind the defence using his pace. But Suarez, it doesn't matter where he is on the pitch. There's always he's always looking to score. You know, it's, it's you know whether or not it's a chip, a header, uh, in the six-yard box. You know, <laughs> against Norwich, what was he forty yards out? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he must, he must just be an absolute nightmare to play against. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if you think, <laughs> you can imagine that the, the City defenders next week that you know they're going to be thinking them, thinking to themselves, shit, I've got no idea what Suarez is going to do today. Yeah. Um, we've got, we've probably got in Sturridge a striker who's probably a little bit more, um, uh, you know, I guess. Uh, I guess a stereotypical striker in terms of what what you might expect, um, and and Sturridge does what he does brilliantly. But the unpredictability of Suarez is just something that I can't remember ever seeing from a from a Liverpool player before. I think that's a very good shape, Paul. Would you agree with that unpredictability from Suarez and 
maybe lead us into a little chat about storage afterwards. Yeah, that that game had uh, kind of both sides as far as this game because there, there was the box office stuff, the two chips. The one with the outside of his foot was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, like when he, when he when he went for it, I was like, "What the fuck are you do?" Yeah, Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but then you know, you know, in the end, at the end when uh, West West Ham were fucking the ball into our box and we were clearing it, and like the the ball just stuck to Suarez yeah. every time. Yeah, like because like Stone the, dead. yeah, like yeah. He, he's like he's like to, to a player of that quality to start scrapping like a League Two player, like yeah, you know, yeah. with the defenders and getting the better of them that way, it's unbelievable. Uh, storage a little bit of an off day, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was quiet enough. He, he snatched at a few chances, but I thought cause he he played as the kind of central striker, you know, in the area that West Ham were really trying to clog up. Mm. So I think he was always going to struggle really to for kind of mm. to kind of get much space in the game really. But he, he was involved. He, he took it down a few times and got involved in a few passing moves. But yeah, I think I think they did a decent enough job clogging him out of it. I, 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 what I liked about Sturridge though was that he still got chances. He didn't take them, and I'd rather have his off day where we win two one against West Ham so that he's on his game when it comes to mm. the city because. He tends to have the bit between his teeth when it comes to City as well, given that that's the club he came through. Yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? The, 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 after his initial couple of shots, Phil, mm. uh, that went skying over, the last effort he had, which is kind of a half volley, uh, it was a real percentage of shot, wasn't it? Mm. I, I remember looking at it and going, now, I'm not bottling's the wrong word, but it was real. I'm going to make sure this goes on target. He just didn't have that conviction he normally does. Or is no, it, but that's, that that can be just on the day. And yeah. I think I think Sturridge and Suarez have proved on, on the occasional days this season where they haven't actually scored. That they, you know when it comes down, they're just trying to get the shots on target because they know eventually if they start getting them back on target, they're going to score goals. So you know he's allowed it because we have Suarez, who's a genius beside him. And uh, what we were saying that the chip shots, but like. He's now playing for handball penalties. Like he gets the first one because the, the, the defender just goes, "I have to touch it. I have to touch it." There was no reason for him to put his hand out, but he just—he he was so shitting himself that Suarez was around him. He, he just hit. It but but it's yet again. It's down. You know the way we were talking last week about how Suarez likes to kick at defenders' feet and 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 watch them either trip or fucking nuts them or just you know cause a penalty. He also likes to put that ball a foot and a half up in yeah. the air as he goes around them. He flicks it up and around them, yeah. knowing that. It's a reaction. It's just like, oh shit, I'll stop him going. But he's he's just a sneaky little bastard. Oh, and, I'm delighted, <laughs> and I'm delighted that he's our sneaky little bastard because if he played for anybody else in the Premiership, he would be my most hated player by a country Fact. mile. Fact. You would just be going, you horrible pox. And not only are you brilliant <laughs> at football, but you won't stop running and annoying yeah. the bollocks of our defenders. <laughs> and now you're chasing our striker back up to the fucking corner flag. What are you at? You know, he's just he's he's the nuts. Only, he's the only, I love it. He's the only player to play extra time in every match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bloody yeah. so demands a pest, doesn't he? In fairness to him, like a proper pest. He do your fucking head in. Yeah. Um, as I said, a half, but when I play it, oh, I fucking hate the fella. He's just constant movement. It's impossible yeah. to mark. Uh, like he's left, he's right, he's back, he's front, he's he's just everywhere. Because that thing you were saying about the handball, the way he does that, that he kind of catches <clears> the defender <throat> because the only place he can do it is he can shift his feet, kind of within a couple of inches fairly quickly hmm. he can't adjust his body quickly yeah. you know so that's yeah. what a hand's natural reaction is to yeah. come up like you can't really stop it and it's, it's that brilliant bit of skill that he does it's, it's, it's just great can, he, can you imagine Luis Suarez when he was about 8 and they were trying to get him to stop at PE <laughs> it's time to go and do your English class or your maths class and he's just there fucking running doing hurdles <laughs> just running around fucking slamming basketballs everywhere. just didn't give a shit just ah! 
I'll read over the desks. <laughs> I'm going up. No, no, I'm going to tackle the no, teacher. No, Louis, Louis, it's time for geography now and fucking running around. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the chalk. Give me the chalk. Yeah, yeah. It's a mad little bastard. Uh, let, let's, let's, we, we should really acknowledge the uh, support on the day. Uh, I've been the first to moan about it because Anfield has been quiet at times over the season. Um, uh, tension, whatever, has, has shown, but the fans were brilliant yesterday. Um our man here, Phil, who's a bit of a Germanophile, is thinking that there's a bit of a Bundesliga feel about the fans. Um, and we got to hear uh, Brendan Rodgers chant loud and proud. What was your thoughts about the support, Phil? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to say because over the last few weeks, the, the, the atmosphere has been immense. Um, and you can see it even in Anfield now. From welcoming the teams in a couple of weeks ago, you know, in the Sunderland match, the noise that was generated last week against Tottenham, the, the away fans were spectacular against West Ham. It felt like a home match. When you're watching on the television, the songs were just being belted out. Now, it's so easy when you're challenging for something and there's something really on the line to play for. But my God, like, I watch a lot of the Bundesliga and one of the things I love about the Bundesliga is the constant singing, the constant noise. It's just it's just ferocious. And like, one of the things about Dortmund that's, that's amazing is the yellow wall. And we're building our own red wall because that's what we have now. We have this constant noise that's coming as the matches are going on. The cop is alive again. There's just a fire that's there now that's burning through the, through the club at the moment. And if it keeps going the way it is, God knows what we can achieve over the next two or three years with Brendan Rodgers. And look, as I said, looking, it was great to hear like, I, the one Brendan Rodgers chance was doing my head in. It was up there yeah, with Snoop John B for being a shit chance, right? Yeah. But the, 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 one that, the, the one that they wrote out on Sunday, Sunday which was the Brendan Rodgers, Brendan, that you can get fucking right behind that. That was just like, I'm getting behind this. I was up in the house going, Brendan, Roger, Brendan, Roger. Like, I wanted to march into a fucking war with but this that's man. that's because you're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> All the children were crying. <laughs> my, my wife and the kids were up in the attic with his bald and clothes. In the fetal position. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Anne Frank stuff. I had the opening this morning going around the house going, Brendan, Roger, Brendan, Roger. I can, look, it's just, it's brilliant. It's 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 an, it's the atmosphere. It's it's the legendary atmosphere that, that we were famed for that had died out of the, the club because no, of the shit that, that we, we'd gone through for so long and to have it yeah. back to, that vibrancy it's just it's there again it, it comes even from, from the Luis Suarez shout last week that just it just resonates with us as a fan base and you know across the world you, can, you just feel there's just this mighty war that's just waiting for the last day of the season when we pick up the trophy even 20 minutes after kickoff, they were still there with their Brendan yeah. Rodgers it was fucking amazing was brilliant. Was and I was thinking yeah. how much, what, what a lift that must give the players and you know because there's whatever four and a half thousand I don't know how many Liverpool yeah. fans I think there's about four and a half thousand yeah. down and you know the players have to be you know an empty stadium they're they're right they're they're packed away but they have to know that's outside yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's fair to say though Steve you brought it up yourself that we we like to credit ourselves as being you know great fans and all the rest of it but it's, it is fair to say that the, that that level of support hasn't been no we've this been, is we've, totally we've been abysmal at Anfield at times, I've been, uh, yeah you know I've the, been to a lot of games <laughs> at Anfield over the last probably five years you know and I'm not saying I just mean in the last five years when we haven't had much to play this for is, this obviously. Is, Obviously, over the last fifteen years, no, it was Goodison more used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go to a lot. Of games. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only man that goes into Anfield singing fucking Z cars. Where am I? Oh no, shit! Not the blue scarf today. <laughs> it's, it's half and half. Half and half. Yeah. Mersey Pride. Mersey Pride. Mersey Pride. <laughs> but no. Happiest day ever. FA Cup semi finals. Yeah, yeah, Steve yeah. O sits in the middle of the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blue and half, half and half clothes. Oh, no, I even had the half and half face. <laughs> you're going to get an element whereby if you're charging people 45 quid for a ticket 
they're going to sit down, they're going to watch the game. And that's the truth of it, because, you know, in, in Germany, the, the tickets are cheap, the kids go to the games, yeah. and the kids are the ones that have the energy to fucking... I don't have 90 minutes of standing in me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, no, the kids go to the games, the kids are the ones that are fucking oiled up. They're oiled up before they get in there. They're after banging, they're after banging a flag and a fucking ah, devil's up. bit into them. Steve and up. they want to sing... There's loads of oiled up outlads sitting on their arses, crying and cribbing. And but this is my point, shit. and that's my point. The young lads are oiled up and mad to sing, and mad to yeah, chant yeah, yeah. the old lads are oiled up and thinking fucking hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy to sit down on their arse and have a whinge you for, know? For, for our nine Irish listeners oiled up refers to being tanked up as well just <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you would yeah, yeah. it's not some weird lube no. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself oiled up before the game I was really looking forward to all, it all the young lads are doing it <laughs> okay. okay let's get on then with our listeners questions first one up is from uh, Tripper Andy and Andy is asking a couple of questions first one is if it's zero degrees today and the weatherman says it's going to be twice as cold tomorrow what temperature will it be tomorrow? Double zero How does that work? Depends on what scale of temperature you're using because if it's zero degrees Celsius it won't be it won't be zero degrees Fahrenheit. Likewise, if it's absolute zero, it's minus two hundred and seventy six. And I actually on, like to work off the Kelvin scale. That's, that's, <laughs> and, that's, and that's absolute zero, so that's yeah. minus two hundred seventy six. I think so. It'll be minus five hundred and something. Okay. Five hundred fifty-two. And, and on the Kelvin uh, Goodison blue scale, what is it? No, he is talking about. Oh, that's what absolute zero is the Kelvin <laughs> scale. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Sorry. Fahrenheit. Up yours, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to fool us. You know, fool us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a helicopter view of Jag's question, which is, what is or what are your earliest memories of wanting to emulate your hero, Floody? In the garden, doing what? In Rush. In Rush. In Rush. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> doing the eighty-six. Final goal was it? You know, oh, the yeah, one that yeah. smashes the camera, the camera the smasher. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know how many times the jersey on out the back, living wrecking the back, living the dream. Yeah, uh, uh, wrecking wreck the call that camera's yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, any particular memory for you? Yeah, I think it was the Dalgleish goal that won us the um, oh, won us, yeah. won us the league against Chelsea. Yeah. Um, that's always one that's stuck, stuck with me. Yeah, I reckon my brother's head. I got him supplying that little <laughs> shit ball for about, oh, I'd say it was at least 107 times until I got it right. Um, two, two for me. Go on. Um, Bruce Grobler's kangaroo jump at the same match. That, to me, was was the moment that I wanted to be a goalkeeper. It just comes out of nowhere. and he, he's, he's beat all ends up and the sprint back and then the jump. It, like it, was, it wasn't seen by another goalkeeper at the time. It would have been a big flappy, divey, twisty, backy save. Where that was just, just <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a technical goalkeeper. That's how I remember it. Just a fantastic, unbelievable save. When you look back and you could have caught it. <laughs> <laughs> but his pace to get back, his, his actual recovery pace, and the whole thing. But he seems to be flying forever. When, he, when you see him making the save, he seems to take off like on the penalty spot, and he's just in midair, and he's just waiting to punch it. Like it's just, yeah. Yep. Any minute. There we go. <laughs> uh, right, next one is from Kaylon. Kaylon's asking, uh, what's the real difference between a crepe and a pancake? It's, this has got to go to Steve you, Steve. It's got to go to Recipe you. Recipe corner. The real difference between a crepe, asks Kaylon, and a pancake. Well, I actually didn't do some research into this today. So Good. my own my own 
feeling on the difference between a crepe and a pancake is number one that you know it's it's far thinner first of all it's way thinner yeah. an American pancake the crepe is a crepe yeah. is far far thinner yeah it's 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 wafer thin ultimately or nearly see through um, it's much wider an American pancake is what I refer to as a, as a pancake in my head or your your ma's pancakes that you got on Pancake Tuesday mm. they're always they're always a, a thicker type of batter it's a different type of batter used as well okay okay different consistency to the batter but um, a crepe is also because it's savory and sweet you've got the option of savory and you sweet. used to do funny answers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair that's very bloody impressive for a man who did no research I, I, I genuinely did no research well, but that's I, my, that's I my one, opinion of what the difference I is, for one, I'm is very it a crepe was a French thing done in a hot stone and the pancake is done in a pan uh, could be, but now people use the crepe plates, yeah. so it's much of the same. Yeah, it was. It, they, they use that. The, there's a certain spatula used for a crepe to give yeah. it the shape oh, that for it is. Fuck's sake. That's crepe spatula. <laughs> um, Paul, let's get away from crabs for a minute and talk about crabs. Yeah, crabs. <laughs> <laughs> talk about uh, the next one from uh, Kellen. He wonders if Hendo was fighting Carol, who wins? Hmm. I'd say Henderson. He just kicks Carol's bar stool out from under him. Oh, very good angle. Mm. So it's a so you've got it in a social setting. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you think he has to cheat? And he's, well, he's not really. I think the Carol carries that bar still around with him, probably, <laughs> just in case it comes across. <laughs> what just in case the match gets a bit rough. What we all stole that, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. A little bit of Jordy there. Um, <clears throat> next one is, uh, again, uh, from the same man. He's wondering just how shitty are girls' toys in toy shop compared to boys' toys? This is actually a good shout. Think about that for a second. I don't know if any of you... Uh, yeah, lads, like, oh, you know Christmas shopping for the young people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to buy, you know, sneak a few toys myself. There's a fucking <laughs> class. It's unreal. For, yeah. Like little boys there is, but... No, yeah, the, the girl stuff does look fairly... They do shit. get a raw deal by comparison, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all the same sort of crap, like, isn't it? It's just, yeah, I know, my own daughter always wanted to just buy the boys' toys because they were just yeah. crack. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, next one's from Jim Fishlock. He's wondering... What would be the? T- I think we may have had this one before. We we'll go again. What would be the title of your autobiography? Confessions of a childish little shit for brains. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, any other shades for that? He said it couldn't be done, so I didn't do it. I will not beat that. Okay. Right. Next one up is uh, from Gray, and Gray asks. Which would you rather fight in a boxing match, Paul, an orangutan or a kangaroo? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so happy. Kangaroos are, yeah. <laughs> kangaroos are a bit fucking mad, aren't they? Like, orangutans seem a bit chill, though. <laughs> like, you, what the fuck are you basing that on? Well, you have to. But they, you, you always see them chilling out, don't you? Like? <laughs> David Attenborough, that's who he's basing that on. You always you, see them chilling out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> orang- orang- fucking kangaroos are mad, they hop up in their fucking tail and they kick in their. <laughs> see, it off. all depends. Is this an illegal boxing match or is it under Marcus of Queensbury rules? Like, because if it is, you want to fight your kangaroo because you want to be a little fucking short. You know what I mean? Hang on a second, Lancey. You're fighting under Marcus of Queensbury rules and. There'll be no using of the feet. <laughs> do you ever hear? Do you ever hear David? At- <laughs> <laughs> do you ever hear David Attenborough say orang uh, orangutan? No, how's he say? He says orangutan. Oh, very <laughs> that's nice. How he, that's how he refers to them as orangutans. Well, he, he should, in fairness, he should know, mate. He should know. He knows more than us. Uh, uh, he knows more than us. I tell you what, and if, if, if Paul Brennan says that the two chilled out the fight, then and he landed off. Yeah, when, when did you ever see an angry orangutan? 
When he has a knife in his hand. Kangaroos are always wound up to fuck, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, edgy bastards. Yeah, yeah, bastard. Around your tongues. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, yeah. He just sit in the corner of the ring, let you kick the shit out of him. Yeah. Okay, right, let's go around the table for this next one. This is, uh, again, from Gray. He's wondering, uh, if you could, this is a bit grim, if you could only keep one of your five senses, which one would you pick? Uh, sorry, have you got a shout this? One of your five senses, senses to keep, which one would it be? Right, I'll come to that one in a minute, but I just remembered as well. I oh, yeah? picked I picked Tony Blair, and that was a really shit example. I've met Liam Gallagher as well, so oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stick. I'll stick to that one as okay. my uh, my celebrity. Um, so senses, uh, oh fucking no, hell, probably. Uh, oh, it's a hard, it's a hard um, call. It's a hard call, isn't it? In fairness, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, hearing, I suppose. You you hang on to your hearing. Okay, okay, nice one. Any other shots? Sight, right sight, sight, sight for me, absolutely sight. <coughs> sight. I could, yeah, I could handle not hearing. Right, okay, listen, you're more likely to get a bang of a car if you can't hear stuff. But, <laughs> but you know, for, well, from behind, anyway. Yeah. But, but no, I could not handle not being able to see anymore. Like, listen, put it this way, right? You, you're you're there. Imagine imagine listening to them. Like Michal and Mertertik says, close your eyes. Imagine you are listening. <laughs> You know what I mean? It only gives that gig on the on yeah, the telly. You know, what I mean? yeah, yeah. you know, sightsavers are there. <laughs> and you know, so, so what I'm saying is, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to close. Like, and I'd like to point something out about that ad. Actually, the only time I ever hear that is when I'm driving my fucking car. Now it's not a good idea for me to close my eyes and imagine, right? It's probably best to keep my eyes on the road so I don't end up in the arse of the car in front of me. But anyway, no sight, sight for me. Being able to not, not being able to see football anymore would absolutely. Yeah, would but think more. think about that. I mean, I can I can speak from personal experience here. My my taste is gone. I can't smell. It's because I'm old, you know. Yeah. I can't smell. I can't taste. My, <laughs> my hearing. We had to fucking wheel you in here. Yeah, tonight, honestly, so. no, this is this is genuine. My hearing's fucked. Right? Touch. Who gives a fuck about that? You yeah. probably so never ejaculate so, though if you couldn't feel anything. What? Never ejaculate again if you couldn't feel anything. <laughs> Unless it is a prostate. <laughs> yeah, but listen, listen, listen. Think about it this way: if you could, but you wouldn't feel it. If you, but come here, if you could, if you could feel yourself ejaculating but couldn't see, you wouldn't know where it went. <laughs> There's probably a lot to be said for that. <laughs> well, there is until oh you until you come home. <laughs> until you come home and it's all over the couch and your missus goes, what, what have you been having the last three hours? Mate, you can't hear her. And you can't you can't say anything, you know? <laughs> She's just laughing away. <laughs> Imagine how loud you'd be if you couldn't hear. And all, all you gotta do is just look surprised. What's that mess over there? <laughs> The problem is, you'll be there with your lad in your hand, not knowing she's even back in the room yet. With, with the parents. With the parents. <laughs> with your mother in law. Stephen, Stephen, mommy's coming to see us. <laughs> Fuck it, that's it, we're done. Uh, okay, finally, some admin then. First thing we want to do is thank the Justice for the 96 Collective for allowing us to have the exclusive player of their. Single last week, We Are Liverpool is storming up the charts, so you need to get on it, you need to buy it. Let's drive this song to number one. The cause does not get any better. There's a link on the website, so you've got absolutely no excuses. While we're on it, stay on the website, walk around it. It's a beautiful thing, we're very proud of it. The content is great, there's new stuff being added by the day, and I think the talent that we've assembled on there is as good as you're going to find www.lfcdaytrippers.com and not only that but you can buy and subscribe to the pod and listen to the full library that we've got built up and if you want you can leave some kind or even abusive comments Uh, next thing is the competition 
uh, Five Times have kindly given us a pair of VIP tickets to both the Dublin and Belfast shows. The details of that competition are on our Twitter timeline, on our Facebook page, and again on the website. Because we don't sleep and we love you a lot so dearly, we have a special preview show for the City Game light up before the weekend, so keep an eye out for that. And finally, your day trippers tonight were Cy Steers, Paul Brennan. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.